0: Hey, everybody. This is Chris and Jason from Sober Solutions Podcast. Join us as we chat with people from around the globe as they share their real life
1: stories of recovery. If you like what you hear, please like and subscribe so you can easily find us and our latest episodes. And
0: welcome back to Sober Solutions Podcast. Tonight is episode 55. We have a guest host with us tonight who's very near and dear to me uh, because he is my sober twin. We have the exact same sobriety date. So everyone, I'd like to introduce you to Sean. Sean, how are you doing tonight? I am doing very well. Thank you, Jason and Christopher, for having me. Absolutely, it's so nice to have you on the show. I'm glad that uh, we were able to get this set up. I am as well. So Sean, tell us a little bit about yourself. So I am Sean,
2: and as you mentioned, we have the same sobriety date. I am from Connecticut, born and raised. My sobriety date is July 27, 2020. So today makes 793 days of continuous sobriety, Um, and it has been the best 793 days of my life. Um, And I say that to say because... the road that led me to addiction was riddled with a lot of trauma from childhood. My dad died by suicide when I was age 19. And that drove a lot of the decisions that I made in my life because I lived in this abandoned world, like this kid that was left on the playground and the, my parent didn't come get me. Uh, the in My inner kid drove the bus all over town and it wasn't necessarily, it was reckless driving all over town. And that kind of led me to the uh, path of addiction, and uh, but now I get to live this life of recovery. So 26 months and one day ago, I made some very solid decisions for my life that I wouldn't let that kid drive the bus anymore and that I would take responsibility for my life and my recovery. We all got here through some course of trauma or something that went wrong or some belief system that we tapped into that wasn't the right belief system for us to tap into, but then it changes. For me, it really changed and it became this connection and this commitment to the rooms of recovery. Um, I do CMA for my recovery. um, And just one of the fundamentals for me is a third step prayer. I started every day in the shower um, and it just reads like this. God, I offer myself to thee, to build with me and do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of bondage to self, that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help. I have thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will? And I just say, do thy will always and always. And what that means to me is I had to break down everything I knew, and I couldn't help someone else until I helped myself. Um, and uh, limitless is a mantra that I live by because it really means that we can take whatever happens to us and take those obstacles or perceived obstacles and turn them into opportunities to become whatever we want to become and when we take those limits off the limits of i'm not good enough the limits of i doubt myself the limits of incapable when we take those limits off we really have the ability to become anything that we want to become and it's it's a lifestyle it's a mantra for life Um, I believe in Limitless. I have a whole Limitless brand that um, is really merchandise. It's a sweatshirt and it has the logo of Limitless on it. I actually have a, a set of inspirational cards and the one I pulled for today is super relevant to my life as it stands right now. So it says, when we know who we are and we have done the deeper work to create balance in our lives, we beam like the brightest light and it allows us to stand with impenetrable shield. So that just means that when we focused on not the things that were going wrong or had gone wrong, but the things that I was capable of, then everything changed. So it started with my recovery and really getting into a a process and a connection to my recovery, going to meetings, doing service. Service keeps me sober. Trauma can paralyze us, but when we open up the cage and we release all the things that had held us to that trauma, it becomes this beautiful journey. I. My higher power is God, as I know him. And I also, there's three sources I go to when I make decisions now. My th- God, my therapist, and my sponsor. If they don't co-sign it, I don't do it. If I thought I wanted to do it, I just did it because that was how my life was driven. As a kid, I didn't have guidance. I also had to become my own parent because the dad, I, my dad wasn't really present when, when he was around. And then when he left, he definitely wasn't present. And my mom, she did the best she could And that is, I'm big on boundaries. So boundaries are incredibly important for me. I cannot participate with people, places and things that are not supporting the life that I wanna live, no matter who that is. It could be a relative, it could be a close friend. Um, Just like I've had people that have had to separate from me in my addiction and my sobriety, I've, I've had to separate from people because it just wasn't a vibration or alignment that worked. For who i am now or who i hope to be it's not that anyone's a bad person it's just that we don't connect on that level so my sobriety is the most important thing to me and and i like to have fun if i can't have fun i'm not going to do it i was miserable using i was miserable hiding in the darkness in my house or afraid to go out or too paranoid to go out because that was part of my using but in my sober journey i I love to have fun. I love to laugh. I love to share inspiration. I love to share hope because those were the things that got me through when I was in the depths of my addiction. So for the last two years, a lot of great things have happened. How I stay sober is I wake up every day. I do a gratitude list. I contact my sponsor every morning. I do two or three meetings a week because those that's what is the foundation for my recovery. I've had two years of sobriety before. I haven't never been this sober. For me, I also had to take sex off the shelf because that was my addiction and sexual behavior were closely intertwined, So buckle up for this. Now I have abstained from any type of sex for seven hundred and ninety three days, including with myself, because that has what has worked for me. Um, it's honestly been the happiest seven seven hundred and ninety three days of my life because I had to really reconnect to who I am outside of that. And if it doesn't involve intimacy, I don't want it. And that was something I never had before. I was a definitely a, you know, I would do whatever, whenever, but now if it doesn't involve intimacy, and first I had to create intimacy within myself before I could, could look for intimacy within someone else. So that's really important for me. And that's part of a boundary. That's a personal boundary. So I don't like it for me that works. And I don't, I don't cross that line with myself because it's been a important for me. It's a commitment that I made. I actually started out, it started out as a one-year commitment with my therapist. And then after, um, and when she first recommended, I'm like, oh, you are absolutely crazy woman. But then once I got into it and found the beauty and the joy of it, I have done it for 793 days, was not planning to do it that long, but I really haven't Um, been in a situation where I've found someone that I would be willing to share myself with on that level, which is completely different. So boundaries are not only external, they're internal. We have to have boundaries with that. I believe we have to have boundaries with ourselves before we can actually carry them forward into other relationships. And they're healthy. Um, uh, That's my tagline. I'm sticking to it, big on boundaries, because they are important for they're important for everyone involved we might not understand it at the time i've had friends that had to separate from me when i was in active addiction and some of them have come back and some of them have not while i don't have to understand it i do have to respect and accept when somebody imposes a boundary and i expect the same so when i impose a boundary for whatever the reason why it might be and i don't take them lightly then i do um ask the person under respect and accept them they don't necessarily understand that because sometimes it's a personal decision that we won't understand so I'm going to bring it back to my recovery and just really focus on the fact that I actually shared earlier today at a meeting that is not what has happened to us is what we choose to do with that. And each day I get to live the promises. And for me, the promises are not necessarily, although I got a lot of the shiny things, I got the car, I got the house, the promises for me and our serenity, peace, joy, happiness, love, compassion, kindness. And kindness means extending kindness sometimes to those that haven't necessarily been the kindest to us. Forgiveness is huge. Once I forgive somebody, I might, forgiveness does not mean reconnection. So we can forgive somebody without ever engaging with them again. That's the beauty of recovery. That's the beauty beauty of the steps. When we were wrong, promptly admitted it. I I live by that probably to a flaw these days. My therapist tells me, you don't have to tell everything. Uh, So I'm like, but I did it. She's like, you don't have to tell everything. I don't work a perfect program. I'm still working the steps, but I work a program that has kept me sober and has kept me connected. And I could not actually be more happier right now in my life. So
0: that's sort of where I am. That's awesome, Sean. And, you know, I've gotten to know you over these last, you know, months that we have, uh, 26 months in one day. Um, That's amazing. Um, You know, one thing that you were talking about was how, you know, taking these perceived limits and turning them into opportunities and... For me, that just rung so true because I remember when I was in my throes of my addiction, I couldn't see past the day. You know, I couldn't see past the week. All I could see was what was right in front of me. And all I saw was like these challenges and barriers and all of these things that were in my way. So over these last 26 months and one day really being able to take a new look at challenges and barriers and seeing them as opportunities. I think that's a huge step in recovery. And stuff is going to happen. So here's the deal.
2: Being limitless doesn't mean you just get this carefree life that nothing happens. Stuff is going to happen. We're going to have situations and we're going to have days that don't actually flow the way that we want them to flow. But that's where the limitless comes in, is when you think you can't go on You move forward and when you think you can't go on you move forward and then you just start taking it in little chunks and now. My days kind of flow effortlessly like if I have something to do like I had a board meeting earlier I went from work to a board meeting and now i'm here. And in my active addiction, I would not have been able to do that because I would have been so paralyzed into or so focused on using. That now the days I get to that's another thing in recovery we don't have to we get to we get to have healthy relationships, we get to set boundaries, we get to accept boundaries that are imposed on us. And so we get to shape the way we look at life.
0: I 100% agree. And you mentioned setting boundaries a number of times. And I'm really interested to hear your take on how you set those boundaries with people or separate from people like you were talking about when you're in recovery, right? Knowing that the people, places, and things, maybe it's family that are triggers, maybe it's partners that are triggers, maybe it's old hangouts or hookups or whatever it is. How do you handle setting that boundary and, and separating from those people.
2: It's really looking at the situation and saying, is this benefiting me and the life I want to live? Is this benefiting the other person? Not only what they want to be giving to me, but what am I contributing to them? And if I can't contribute to that and if it's a trigger for me, then I have to separate from it. So, for example, I'll give you a very uh, relevant example. My sister and I have not spoken in four years, and that triggered me four years ago. It triggered me into active addiction. Now I look at it as we are just two siblings, does not make you friends, it makes you siblings. (laughs) What happens after that is what you choose to make it. But now I find a place of peace for whatever reason, we just do not vibe. And i it's also acceptance. Acceptance is a big part of boundaries, whether we are imposing them or whether they're imposed on us. Accepting means, I okay, that you have this boundary, I might not understand it. And the other part of that is I'm okay implementing this boundary and recovery makes it very clear what people, places, and things don't work for, for me, it has made it very clear what people, places, and things
1: don't contribute to my continued recovery. I just heard so much recovery in that first 10 minutes. So many topics, the third step prayer, obstacles, to opportunities, like you guys just said, decisions through your God therapist sponsor. One of the things early in my sobriety was reading the third step prayer. And it is at the core of my recovery, and it should be at the core of a lot of people's recovery. Because in essence, it's letting go of self will, right? It's spiritual surrender. And that was something that I had a really hard time with at first, because I am absolutely a control freak. I like controlling every situation. I like controlling it to to a fault. And in working through that and trying, I'm still trying to get better at it. But when you can actually let go and say that this is your higher power's will, this is God's will, and to be educated, you can talk through it, like you said, through your therapist, through your sponsor. You could pray on it. But it should be at the core of so many people's recovery plan.
2: And surrender is huge. And and I didn't say that when I shared but I had to surrender. I had to give up everything that I knew about me and relearn the, this version of me. And I'm going to go back because I wrote this earlier today. Hurt people hurt people. So I think we just have to be conscious that no one is intentionally, there are very few addicts that are intentionally. My, one of my other favorite quotes is, the addict doesn't used to feel better. They used to feel less bad. And I think when surrender is a huge part of, The beginning of working with the clay that you have. We we get this clay that we get to shape every single day. When we wake up, we have a whole new set of clay to work with. And surrender is, I'm going to take down that, what I thought was a masterpiece, because it was kind of a mess, and I'm going to make something better out of it.
0: Your phrase, hurt people hurt people, I mean, that's just so powerful because just thinking about how I was in my active addiction, I would want to tear people down to the lowest depth that i could just to feel a little bit whether that be anger or gratification or some kind of feeling i was so hungry for a a, a, an emotion and a feeling that if i made you feel like shit because i felt like shit at least you felt like shit the same way that i did you know and it's just such an emotional roller coaster that that we put ourselves through and the thing is is that We now have a program. Well, most of us, we have a structure to our life now, whatever that structure is, and people who aren't in recovery don't. And so we have the ability to kind of step back now and say, why am I hurting this person? What is it that I need to fix in myself to be able to not be the douchebag dickhead that I used to be when I was in active addiction.
1: I like when you said that, because sometimes people when they get out of rehab, or they start fresh in a program, they will start preaching to everyone, you know, you just go through hundreds and 1000s of hours of therapy. And you're like, well, let me psychoanalyze this situation. And you just start preaching and preaching and preaching. And this person's like, Whoa, and work equals results. So we,
2: so when we work a program, we get the results so that we don't do that. So we don't have to minimize somebody to feel better about ourselves. We don't have to put somebody else in pain to help them understand that we're in pain, because that is not something that works. But we get to really show up and say, sometimes I, I take breaks all day long. If I need to regroup or reset, I probably should have taken one before I got on that board call, but I didn't growth opportunity for me, but I I take opportunities. Like I meditate for 10 minutes in the morning. And if I don't, I could tell, but I take those pauses to say, you know what, how am I not showing up as how I want to show up and what do I need to do to really shift that? It's a work in progress. Like no one is perfect. Like that's why we get this opportunity to, to continually live and evolve and become the people that we're going to become. But I think what's important is to know who we want to become in an act of addiction. I didn't know who I wanted to be. I thought I wanted to be this addict that used every day and then hit stuff and lied. But that's not who that's not who I want to be. I want to be this person that gets to live and show up and get the cash and prizes because I've worked for them. They don't just show up. You work for them on day 24. You don't just get like a microwave. You have to work for that stuff. And that's what the beauty of surrender is and having those boundaries because those boundaries kind of take off of that stuff that was impeding our progress.
0: Yeah. All of what you just said really tied into something else. I heard you say the addict didn't use to feel better. They used to feel less bad. And I've never heard that before, but it is so true. It's so true and you know it just ties into everything that you were talking about and you know this idea of setting boundaries with people around us and you with your sister and and similarity to me and my father where when I was in rehab and I was in rehab with Chris I had to actually work through the fact that my father was a huge trigger for me like a huge trigger for me And it all stemmed from me growing up and him having these very high standards and not feeling good enough. And like all this stuff that I've been working through with my therapist over the last two years, but I was able to get to a place where I could set these healthy boundaries. And it wasn't because I one didn't want to, and two, I just didn't have the ability to, but I didn't have to set that I'm going to separate with love. I'm going to disconnect with love, but more of. I'm going to tell you what a boundary is for me. Because now, like you said, I could identify it. I know my worth and my value today, and I have my own voice today, and I can be the man that I am today because I've gotten sober and because I've done all of this discovery of who is Jason, right? And so me setting a boundary with him uh, when I was actively uh, using sounded something like, go fuck yourself, I'm not going to talk to you, or I'm going to go slam some doors in the house, or I'm not going to call you for a while, or you're a piece of shit. Like those are my boundary setting tools, right? Now it's, dad, I totally understand what you're saying. I totally understand where you're coming from. Here's where I'm coming from. Can we meet somewhere in the middle? And if we can't, okay, I totally understand your point of view and and where you're coming from. I don't agree. And I just want to keep it at that.
2: It's really healthy conversations. And I love what you just said. Boundaries do not mean we do not love the person or care about them, boundaries mean we love ourselves enough. To protect ourselves, and I think that's the game changer for me. Like I thought, if I set a boundary, I had to hate you, or I had to never want you in my presence. I still pray for folks that I have boundaries for every day. Um, actually, it's part of the big book five five two. Pray for those that you have a problem with, but I do. I do it anyway because it's just because it's just something that has worked for me. It gives me peace. I can't let anyone move my peace because when they're moving my peace. They are moving, they are potentially moving my sobriety. And I had issues with my dad too. My dad was an alcoholic and very abusive. And in an effort not to become like him, I became exactly like him um, with the addiction piece of it. And in relationships, I was a little volatile myself. Um, and I think that's maybe why I am comfortable with this bridge where I am with, with my celibacy, because I I can control that. Um, I can control the love I give to myself
1: everyone, even if they didn't have addiction, had those healthy conversations, Learned to communicate like that, you know, there would be so much less contention and arguing and hate in the world. It it would be amazing. I mean, recovery isn't really just about, and we've said this a million times, recovery isn't about stopping drinking or drugging. It's about changing to a healthy lifestyle.
0: Well, the, sorry, the, the, Tension isn't always in setting the boundary. It's also what you talked about, Sean, in respecting the boundary, right? So when someone sets a boundary with me, for instance, my ex-husband. My ex-husband has set a boundary of our lives are completely separate. And when I was in my active addiction, I did not want to respect that. Going into rehab, I still, I wasn't dealing with it and, you know, it was still far back in my mind, but I didn't want to respect it. And I didn't understand it. And as I grew in recovery, I started to understand that I can set boundaries and I expect people to respect them, but I have to do the same thing. And I think Chris, that's to your point of, you know, these contentious relationships and people setting boundaries, but not respecting them. You can't just set them without respecting them.
2: You have to respect them. And you and again, I, you have to you don't have to understand them because sometimes we won't understand them. I have a friend that literally 793 days, actually longer. He has not I've reached out. I've tried to make amends and he just has not wanted to reengage. And the old me would have been sending him nasty grams, would have been pursuing it, would have been trying to dismantle him for hurting my feelings. And now I let it go with grace because If he chooses to come back, that's great. If he doesn't choose to come back, in some ways, that's also great. It's not great, but it's okay because I can't let that confine or define me or trigger me back into old behavior because someone, while I've changed, they don't know that I've changed from that old behavior and I I don't have anything to prove or validate. I just show, I live, I work a living amends in that case where every day I just try to be the best version of me. If you catch, if you catch the episode, you catch it. If you don't, you don't. So it, that's how that works.
1: The last few guests have really kind of dove into boundaries and that's something I think in my recovery, I could do better. I'm, I'm not great at identifying boundaries that I need to set. I think I'm decent and working through adhering to other people's boundaries, um, especially my wife. It took me a very long time to actually listen to what she was saying when she was saying a boundary and it took a very long time. But now I think I'm doing a little better with that. For example, when we argue, I want to analyze it right then. And she is one of those people that says, I need time. Let's talk about this tomorrow. And in my head, I'm spinning all night. I'm working towards that. But one thing I think I can work and do better at is actually communicating my boundaries in a healthy way. So this conversation is great because it, it's making me realize that I need to really work on that a little more. We all have opportunities for growth, but it feels for me, it just feels so much better when
2: I can implement a boundary or respect a boundary without a condition on it. There's not unconditional love is unconditional boundaries. Like for whatever reason they're set, they're set. And it is one part of a bigger, it's a Part of the sum is not the actual sum. Life is built up of all these other things. Yes, there'll be some boundaries thrown in there, but there'll also be, it gives us a chance to focus on those relationships that really want to be, that we want to cultivate and they want to cultivate. So while we're spending time struggling with a boundary, if we just focused on those folks, I've ignored people that were right in front of me because I was trying to get someone else's attention. And now I focus on the folks that really want to be in my life and I really want to be in theirs and I respect the others for whatever decisions that they've made and i expect them to accept mine as well
0: so sean talk to us a little bit more about your brand the limitless brand where did you come up with that i know you touched on it a little bit in your qualification but i want you to really dive into that a little bit more thank you for
2: asking jason thank when i first got sober i was really looking for a way to really find my purpose, really. Like, what's my purpose? Why am I here? Because for so long I struggled with that. When you lose a parent, and it was also losing a parent to suicide, because that's the ultimate end of a journey, um, because that's someone making the decision to end their journey, I wanted to find my purpose. During the pandemic, I started sending out note cards on a regular basis because the world was a lot disconnected. So I would send a note card to someone every week. So it started out with this, you're a star kid. The art of the handwritten note has escaped us. I think we should bring it back. Limitless can help you with that. So we created a set of five cards um, and five envelopes and then a strip of stars. So you could really make someone feel important and empower them and just stay connected. So then I met with a brand person and initially it was going to be Unlimited. And she's like, no, I don't really like that. I don't think it works. So we came up with Limitless. And once she did it and the fonting on it, I just loved it. And it's really a lifestyle mantra. While there's merchandise associated with it, it is a mantra for life. It's really being present, being powerful, which is a new word I'm using tonight because that has never come up when I've talked about Limitless, but it seems appropriate. So it's really being powerful. I started out with a line of sweatshirts. And then I did T-shirts this summer and the sweatshirts have taken off. They are um, amazing and people love them. And actually, I haven't really developed the website yet, but the brand sells itself. So I somebody will buy a sweatshirt and then I'll get an email from somebody else that says, can I get a sweatshirt? So it's kind of actually allowed it to propel organically because I just wanted to to live in a cycle that it needs to live in. But i look at it all the time and to the point of when i was qualifying earlier and i said you just take that next thing after the next thing like i will have gone through a whole an entire day and have checked off everything on my list plus some because i see the world as limitless i see the world as taking off any restrictions that i had imposed on myself and a lot of times the world doesn't impose restrictions on us we self-impose them because we think we need to stay a certain place but when we really kick open that door to purpose. Limitless is really about tapping into purpose and just taking all of the holds off of our lives and expanding into who we really choose to be.
1: At the beginning, all I could think about was the Bradley Cooper movie, which was amazing. But I do agree. I mean, what you're saying is a lifestyle. It's about tapping into yourself. It's about learning. It's just so much. And I agree, your brand sells itself. I would feel so amazing if I got a letter from someone. So I agree. I mean, it's kind of inspiring me to want to write a letter to my grandma, write a letter to, you know, I could just list people. But imagine just receiving that out of the blue and saying, hey, I'm thinking of you. I've sent a lot of those letters to a lot of my sponsees brothers that have come
2: back from relapses or that are new to sobriety or when I'm first getting to know them. And literally, if I qualify at a meeting, they will bring up the fact that that note was so powerful to them some of them actually leave it right near their desk i do think it's intimacy on a different level because you're showing someone that you've taken the time not only do you care about them but you've taken the time to show them and again i think the loss of the handwritten note i think the handwritten art of the handwritten note has been lost so to bring that back is something that the world needs today especially with the way the world is in so many respects
0: that's amazing, I totally agree. Um, I do that in the work setting. Really taking the time to write someone that handwritten note and send it off to them, um, because I know I keep them. They're actually on my fridge, just like you were talking about. So Sean, you talked a lot tonight around boundaries, you talked a lot around finding purpose, um, using the third step prayer and, and you know your higher power, your therapist, your sponsors, your go-to guides. Thinking about the person in early recovery, or maybe even the person who needs a reminder with years under their belt, what's one thing that you would say would be a piece of advice for for someone in recovery?
2: Allow yourself to love yourself through this process and to connect to yourself through this process because I was so disconnected from myself until I connected with myself, that's when everything opened up for me. So we're going to have triggers as we navigate this recovery journey. Don't give in to the triggers. Lean into what's going to help you. Lean into those folks. So instead of calling an old source that you know is going to, or going on a path that you know is going to end you someplace you don't want to be, lean into the folks that are here for you, the folks that show up in your recovery, the folks that you develop those relationships with. This is one of my other favorite Phrases or quotes is when the captain turns on the, the fasten your seatbelt sign due to turbulence, you don't jump out of the plane. You buckle your seatbelt. That's one of the things I would suggest in recovery is when we get in those tricky spots or those moments where we're feeling like, hmm, I'm thinking of doing something I shouldn't do. Buckle up and work down that phone tree that we got, um, that we got as kids, you know, like call this person, call this person, call this person, work the resources or the sources that are available to you that are going to support you through that. If you're new, if you're in the program and you're kind of stuck, reinvigorate yourself, find something. Cause like, I have to challenge myself. What do we need to do differently? Sean, I talk to Sean all the time. We have a great relationship. Like Sean, what do we need to do differently? What's not working? Like last week I wasn't feeling well. So I was a little bit, you know, not my high energy. So then at the end of that, I'm like, you got to get it back together again. Like you got to get it back. You got to get, get yourself back aligned. So I think it's just really knowing that where we were is not where we want to be. Because if we, if we wanted to be there, we would never have engaged in the program of recovery and really keeping the why in the front of your mind, why am I doing this? And then when you doubt that why, reinforce and reconfirm that why.
0: That is absolutely amazing and I think incredible advice. Well, Sean, thank you so much. It was great to see you. I really appreciate you coming on the show. It was great to see you, meet all of you. And as always, each and every one of our episodes is dedicated to the still sick and suffering alcoholic and addict, especially the individual who's going to pick up for the first time tonight. Have a great night, guys. Have a good night. We appreciate your liking and subscribing to our podcast. If you liked what you heard today and would like to support our podcast, feel free to Venmo a dollar to our virtual basket at Sober Solutions Podcast. We wanna hear from you too. If you have a comment, question, topic, or would like to come on the show, find us on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube at Sober Solutions Podcast. Or you can shoot us an email to Podcast at gmail.com. Find us on Apple Podcast and Spotify. And if you like what you've heard, Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the show.